Great to see you all today, and I uh, just want to say uh, thank you, Pastor Mark, for taking care of my introduction today. Uh, what God is doing, he, uh, he shares with, with multiple people, and it's great to be on the, on the same page uh, with, with those that are, are like-minded in Christ, and 2015, here we are. Who could ever imagine that we'd be saying it's 2015? Nah, certainly not, certainly not. Me, I can remember being uh, a young believer back in the late 70s, and uh, we never thought we'd see 1980. I'm serious. We talked about Jesus coming back. We thought Jesus was coming back. And we, and, uh, we, we lived our lives in a way that we were expecting Jesus to return any time. And, you know, you don't hear a whole lot about that anymore, do we? And uh, thank God for a church that believes that Jesus is, is coming back, and it could be at any moment Jesus could be coming back. Thank God. Thank God. I trust that uh, each of us are, is living our lives in such a manner that when Jesus comes back, he will find faith in the earth and in you and me. So my word for 2015, you know, I'm, not a, I'm really not a believer in, in resolutions. The, the facts are that half of all New Year's resolutions are broken by the end of January, and that nine out of 10 are broken by March. That's just the facts. And generally, those uh, who make New Year's resolutions it's, it's, is it not based on willpower, generally? It's, it's kind of based on what we can kind of muster up to, to keep it intact and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're the, if you're the, the half or the, the one out of 10 that keeps them, God bless you. And may God give you the strength to carry it through. And I'm serious about that. Uh, but I, I tend not to make New Year's resolutions, but God has given me a word uh, for myself specifically for 2015, and that word is mercy. And I tend not to be a merciful person. And so what a good word that he would give me that, uh, that it should be a challenge to me, and it is. It's a challenge to me to be merciful. And, and God gives specific gifts to people of mercy. And there are people who live their lives very merciful. Well, I, I do that to a degree, but generally... You know, I love to see justice served. But that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is of mercy. And so as we enter into this new year of a time of, of praying and fasting and reading God's word and seeking him with our, our whole heart, I, I trust and I pray that you are hearing God for a very specific word for your life for this year. And so my word for this year is mercy. And we are going to look at the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And if you will, if you would please stand and we will read God's word today. Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, also called Matthew, who would write the first book of the New Testament. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. 
And he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity together to be here together as brothers and sisters, to gather in this place on the very first Sunday of this year. And Lord, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old things are gone. New has come. We are all new creations in Christ. We have a brand new year in front of us, a brand new year, an opportunity to do what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, this morning, as we hear these words and as we say these words, God, that you would be glorified and that, uh, that my opinion would be zero and this would be your word, your heart that is coming through today loud and clear. Have your way. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's important for me to understand this. that I do not deserve what I have been given. And what I do deserve, listen to this, what I do deserve, I have been spared from. Many of you are familiar with the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, and you know that the, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings have been made into uh, blockbuster movies. And from Fellowship of the Ring, Tolkien writes, what a pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had a chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy, not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the ring so with pity. What we deserve, we have been spared from. And what we think others deserve, we must demonstrate the same mercy and the same pity and compassion that has been shown to us by Jesus. Grace and mercy, they go hand in hand. It's, it's hard to talk about grace without talking about mercy. Very, very similar, but yet each has a, a distinct definition. You can simply define grace a, a couple of ways. If you have a, a, a bookmark that you receive here at Orchardville Church, you can see that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. How true that is. The riches of God poured out on us, not at our own expense, not in anything that we deserve or have done, but it's only because of the riches of Christ do we have God's grace. Or you could say, grace is getting what we don't deserve. And I can't overstate that. I cannot overstate the fact that I get what I don't deserve and that you receive what you don't deserve. A beautiful church, a wonderful pastor, brothers and sisters in Christ that, that love God, 
that are called according to his purpose, forgiveness in Christ Jesus, an outpouring of God's love and protection, completely undeserved, completely undeserved on our own merit. Salvation is about nothing that I have done to earn it and is about everything God has done to provide it. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, an undeserved gift, grace. And if grace is getting what we don't deserve, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Because Adam and Eve sinned, every single one of us are born sinners. The fact that we are born into this world means that we are a sinner. And there's nothing that we can do of our own merit to change that. By nature, we are separated from God and deserving of eternal separation from God. And if, if I can imagine at all what hell will, would be like, the Bible talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible talks about uh, the, the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies, all that kind of grotesque stuff that's torturous. But I'm not here to talk about how horrible hell is because I believe the worst thing about hell is being separated from God and eternally knowing that we could have spent eternity with God because of the multiple, multiple opportunities we have had in our lives to make that decision. Yet when we choose not to, when that eternity comes, that eternal separation from God will be more hell than any pain or torture could ever be. But God had pity on us. Loving us beyond comprehension, he has provided us a way. Thank God, he has provided us a way through Jesus. And when we deserve eternal punishment, when we deserve eternal separation from God, Mercy stepped in and said no. Mercy steps in and said, you're not gonna get what you deserve. Because of my love for you, at Christ's expense, we now experience heaven on earth in fellowship and with walking with God, but for all of eternity. And time and again in scripture, we see the kindness and compassion of Jesus toward the sick and the unsuitable. Today, we're gonna to talk about the unsuitable friend. In John 8, chapter three, the woman caught in the very act of adultery should have been stoned according to the Mosaic law. That was what the law said. The Pharisees said, according to our law, she must be stoned. But Jesus showed pity on her and he said to her, I don't condemn you. You go and sin no more. And the question that I have to ask myself and the question I give to you this morning for you to ponder yourself is how would you have reacted in that situation when you were standing there with Jesus 
And the Pharisees, the Pharisees confronting Jesus with this lady caught in adultery, what would your reaction have been? And I know, I know that my reaction would have been justice. Justice must be done. The Bible says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So is your heart full of judgment today? Or is your heart full of mercy today? And this is a question that I know that I will ask myself all year long because I've asked God to put it right here, put it right here in the forefront of my seeing spiritually that whatever situation that I come up to, that while I react with justice or will I react with mercy and kindness and compassion. Abraham Lincoln said, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. When we talk about the riches, or when we talk about riches, and the way we understand riches, we talk about wealth. We talk about abundance. Scripture talks about the wealth or the abundance of of God's mercy. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. When scripture talks about the the riches of God, it speaks of his complete and utter ownership of everything seen and unseen. And that's a hard concept to grasp. We hear that God is, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that he is the creator of all things and and you know we, we read that and we can make sense of that in our in our mind because it's in scripture, but to but to really think about, if you take five or 10 minutes and you think about all the, the wealth that is in the world, and then you think about how scrawny and pitiful this world is in light of, in light of God and his, and his eternal uh, power and, and authority that here, here's, here's, the, here's the universe in God's hands and we are such a tiny little speck in the whole spance of expanse of the, the universe, you know, we can pretty quickly understand that I don't really have a problem with God owning everything because he does. You know, we think of the universe as how many hundreds of billions of light years in, in size and God's like, universe. Where'd I put the Universe. It's a little easier to understand that the wealth of this world is nothing. And the wealth of God is all is all encompassing, complete. He owns it all. Period. And when you create something, it belongs to you. Just like Mark said, you know what? He owns this. Why does he own this? Because he he made it. He created it. When you make something, you can take ownership in it. It belongs to you. Psalm 100 Verse three says, it is he who made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And repeatedly in the New Testament, 
we hear and read about the riches of God. Romans 2, 4, the riches of God, God's kindness and forbearance and patience. Romans 9, 23, to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. You and I, he pours out his mercy into us. Does God own all the, all the gold and all the oil reserves and all the, yeah, yes. But to us, we, we make that priority high and God puts such a low priority on that kind of, on that kind of stuff. He owns it. But the riches that he wants to convey to us is that he is rich in mercy. He is rich toward us in his goodness. He is rich toward us in love. And when the Old Testament shows us what we deserve because of our sinful nature in the Old Testament, judgment and punishment, they got what they deserved. But in the New Testament, is ushered in the compassionate heart of God to restore us to him through Jesus because Jesus is the visible, touchable, incarnate manifestation of a loving God who longs that people not end up in hell, separated from him forever, but that they are restored, saved, and sealed. And then the most popular scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16, if you look at John 3, 17, it says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. In our text today, Jesus calls Levi or Matthew, he calls out to Levi and says, follow me. Now Levi is a tax collector. And what is it about tax collectors in scripture, they're hated. They are disliked extremely. They are, dis, they are disrespected, mainly because they were, they were cheaters. They took more than was, than was required. They were undeserving of kindness. Nobody wanted to pour out kindness on a tax collector. But you know, these were the types of people that, that Jesus called. Think of your own life. Where were you when Jesus called you? And then think about the mercy that he poured out on you in spite of the life you were living. And he held out eternal life to you, salvation. You don't have to do anything except turn Repent and say yes. These are the ones whose lives Jesus would change. The unsuitable ones. And in turn, they would change the world. That's what God's called us to do. He's changed our lives. And he asks us to change our world. One person at a time. One person can't change the world, but one person can change the world for one person, and then another, and another. It's no wonder that people flocked to Jesus wherever he went because he had compassion on them. He saw the multitudes, the Bible says, that he had compassion on them, and he, and he taught them. Now me, I would have said, 
there's too many dysfunctional people out there. They've got a lot of problems going on out there. Kind of like my own little world in the direction I'm going, so good luck with that. But Jesus looked at the, at the crowds. He looked at the multitudes. And he had compassion on them. The needy, the broken, the rejected. And when the Pharisees would quote the law, Jesus in turn responded with mercy. Romans 10 verse 12 says, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And if we could somehow get the concept of the riches of God being displayed in grace and mercy and love and kindness and compassion, it would revolutionize our thinking. I don't want to become numb of what scripture says. In the deep, amazing, eternal truths of God's word, how easy for us is it for us to just to read it and 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 not allow the, the, the truth of it to really, really sink in. The riches of God being displayed to me in mercy. What I deserved. What I deserve is eternal separation from him because of my sinful nature. Not getting what I, what I truly deserve. And the relationships that God has blessed me with, my relationship with him, my family, so undeserving, but he poured out his grace. Lord, let it sink in. According to the Pharisees, Levi was unsuitable for God. Like you and me, he fell short of the religious standards. To the Pharisees, it was unthinkable, unthinkable that someone would stoop to that level to associate with such a person. Here we talk about, you heard Pastor Mark last week talking about when we have opportunities to minister to people at the altar week in and week out. The temptation is always there to think, what's, what's going on with them? What's their problem this week? But Jesus was always the one to stoop and to, and to love and to touch those that were considered untouchable or unlovely, unsuitable. But that's the heart of Jesus, to stoop down and his kindness to draw him to ourselves. Mercy is not earned, it is a free gift to broken and needy and unsuitable sinners like you and me. In Luke 18, the blind beggar cried out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those that were around him tried to shush him, but Jesus said, receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Undeserving, unsuitable. And last week, Pastor Mark also made reference to the Gerasene demoniac who Jesus delivered from demon possession. Now take note of this, that this demoniac, demoniac, had not made a decision to follow Jesus. This was an act of love, an act of kindness, an act of total, uh, uh, 
demons come out, what is it? Total, whatever, yeah. He took the demons out. Deliverance, that's what I was looking for. Complete and total deliverance and kindness and mercy before somebody said, Jesus, I'll follow you. It was a complete act of kindness on the act of Jesus, undeserving, unsuitable. And in the same account of Levi in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6. And the prophet says, Jesus quoting Hosea says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In other words, he was saying, it's not about doing all the right things to be accepted by God. I want you to show mercy to others. My challenge for me is to show mercy to those that mercy is difficult to show mercy to. This morning, are you sitting here unsuitable? Yes. On your own, if you are here, apart from Christ, you are unsuitable. Just like every one of us before we came to Christ before we answered the call of salvation, every single one of us, unsuitable, undeserving. So this morning, the invitation is to come and receive the glorious riches of God's mercy, completely undeserved, completely and utterly free to those who will ask because of his great love. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says, Our salvation is not from our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before time began. So I ask you again, have you looked down your nose at someone who considered, who you considered unsuitable for Jesus? And to paraphrase part of our text this morning when Jesus says I don't come for, the, for those that are well says the those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick he said those who think they are well don't need a doctor if you think you're okay there's nothing that Jesus can do to help you but if you know this morning that you are lost in sin and that in your state you are unsuitable for God, then answer the call. Answer the call for, to salvation. To say, I know I'm unsuitable. I know there's nothing that I can do to make that right on my own. There's no way I can live. There's no thing that I can do to sacrifice, to make things better. I realize now that it's only because of the blood of Jesus, that his sacrifice for me made it all possible. And it's the riches of God being poured out on me at the expense of Jesus, laying down his life for you and me. Those who, are, who know they are sick are the ones who need a doctor. And Jesus said, I have come to call the sick, the sinners to repentance. And finally, we can understand, you know, justice is important. I mean, it, I mean, the Bible talks about the importance of justice. 
But James 2.13 says that mercy triumphs over judgment. This morning, my invitation, or God's invitation to you is that you would come and receive God's mercy. Let's pray together. Dear God, none of us in this place, in this room today is deserving of the riches that you have poured out into our lives. None of us is deserving of the sacrifice which Jesus made, which you made to give your only son, that Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we may live. There is none of us that is deserving. Each one of us is is unsuitable on our own. But praise be to God that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, I pray for those here this morning that are here without you, that have lived their lives apart from you, and maybe they've tried to do good things on their own. Oh God, I pray that by your word this morning, it has been seen that our good works cannot save us. Only the blood of Jesus can save us in our filthiness, in our sickness, in our unsuitableness. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. Have your way today, Holy Spirit, in healing, in restoration, in salvation. To God be the glory, for we know that all things are from you and by you and for you, for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.